You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so with that, we are going to dive into our sermon, and we've been using these videos uh, by Marty. Marty Solomon, and throughout the, the series, the last three weeks, and we're actually going to start with that this week. So here's Marty. It's time for part four of uh, the Sabbath diaries, and um, we've been talking about these ideas of stopping, resting, delighting, and now today contemplating. And uh, I mentioned last week there was almost this ebb and flow. There's almost this breathing in and breathing out of these four realities of what Sabbath does. There's this, there's this kind of stepping back. There's this leaning back, and then there's this stepping in and leaning in, and and so there's the there's the idea of stopping. And in every one of these kind of steps, you you engage it in a different way, and you get something. Like Sabbath does something to you. Uh, Sabbath is a gift, we said last week. Like Sabbath keeps gifting you stuff. So in the first kind of reality, you step back and you stop. Like there's a stopping. And we said that the very act of stopping has the power to tell us a story, to tell us a narrative. So you step back, but then you step in. Like you lean in and you find, you lean into rest and you find the presence of God, the gift of is kind of the presence of God himself. And then you step back out from that presence and you get delight. Like you, you step back and you step in, you step back again and you find that like space of delighting and the delight that doesn't come from self-indulgence, not a delight of doing what you want, but a delight of, of, of finding God and finding truth with a capital T, like Sabbath is about truth telling. And so then after that stepping back, you step back in and you contemplate, you engage the process, you engage the gift that is Sabbath. And, and what does this look like for me? Well, Sabbath has been this continual learning process. Um, I have learned, I started out with baby steps, just tiny baby steps. I love the four words that Rob chose here, stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating because they fit four words that I chose. I remember when I started doing Sabbath, for me to understand Sabbath from a a truly comprehensive Jewish, Orthodox Jewish perspective would have been far too much. It would have been stifling. Uh, There are so many things to learn. I, I, I don't live. I don't worship. I don't I didn't grow up in an Orthodox Jewish community. To try to do that, to try to play that game would have been inappropriate on some level and impossible on others. So I started really simply, and I just wanted to be able to teach the truth of Sabbath to my kids. And at that point, my kids were like two years old, three, four years old. How do you teach Sabbath to a three-year-old? And so we came up with a family mantra, a Sabbath slogan, if you will where we said Sabbath, if you were to ask my kids today, who are now 10 and 11 years old, if you were to ask them, like, what is, what is Sabbath? They would say, dad, we rest, we play, no work, God loves us. We rest, we play, no work, God loves us. It's the same four elements that Rob brought to the table. It's the same four elements. We rest, there's rest. We play, there's delight. No work, there's stopping. God loves us. That's the contemplation. For me, I started with something that simple. That simple. On Saturday, 
those are the guiding principles. It starts Friday night at sundown for us as Jews, as a Jewish family. Friday night at sundown, what do we start at sundown? Resting, playing, we stop working, and it's all because God loves us. I bet we spent like just one or two years just in that simple space. And we would ask ourselves like, what are we gonna do this Sabbath? Is this okay to do? And the, the answer was, did it fit that mantra? Was it about resting? Was it about playing? Was it about ceasing our work? Did it remind us that God loved us? If the answer was yes, then that's what we did. A lot of people ask me, am I doing Sabbath right? Am I doing it right? If you're asking the question, am I doing Sabbath right? The answer is no, no matter what you're doing. Because if you're worried about doing it right, you're doing it wrong. In my mind, eh, I'm not sure if a Orthodox Jew would resonate with that, but in my mind, if you're trying to do Sabbath right and you're worried about doing it right, you're automatically doing Sabbath wrong. And so we started there simply, just super simply. And then we grew and we grew because Sabbath should always draw us into contemplation. Sabbath should always invite us into a space where we get to think about more and more and more the truth of who God is, who we are, and what God's doing in the world. And so Sabbath needs to do that work. And so as I grow and develop, my observance of Sabbath grows and develops. And so that's become very true for us. And part of the ways that we've grown in Sabbath is the way that we prepare for Sabbath. When I started doing Sabbath, I didn't really prepare. I did nothing in preparation. I didn't want to get worked up on it. I wanted to spend six days working. And then Friday night, I just wanted to turn it off. I wanted to stop working. I wanted to rest. I wanted to play. No work. God loves us. I don't know, a couple years into observing Sabbath, I was learning more about the Jewish perspective of Sabbath. I had read some books from um, classical Jewish authors. I had and one of the things I noticed was how, how hard they worked to prepare for Sabbath. So that the moment Sabbath started, they were ready. Over the past few years, I've started doing more and more preparation. And the preparation I do before Sabbath has helped the contemplation piece more than anything. And we started something really, really simple. When we, when we started preparing for Sabbath, we started buying flowers on Friday night before sundown. We'd head down. We, we lived right across the street from a Safeway. We'd walk right across the street to Safeway. We'd grab a little cheap bouquet of flowers and we'd bring it home. Not only was it a wonderful family activity, sometimes with my son, sometimes with my daughter or my wife, um, sometimes all of us together, but it, it prepared a mental space for me. The preparation helped me contemplate what was happening. Um, so just a uh, and then we've just continued to grow. We've continued to think about our Sabbath plans beforehand so we can be even more prepared, have things more ready so that Sabbath can be a true Sabbath space. We've continued to, you know, I continue to study this tradition from the, this Jewish tradition of lighting candles on Shabbat. I continue to wonder if that's going to be one of this next year or the year after that or one of these years. Am I going to start the tradition of lighting Sabbath candles um, because of its ability? Again, because of its ability, not because of the rule, not because of some legalistic, this is what you do for a Sabbath, but because of the, the tradition's ability to tell me the truth of Sabbath, to tell me the truth of Sabbath, and to help me contemplate. So my encouragement is, to just keep growing, to be okay with the fact that when you start, it will be horribly incomplete. Or should I say, it will be beautifully incomplete. 
And as the days and the years and the seasons pass, continue to grow, continue to evolve, and continue to let the practice be shaped by your time. So I hope this whole little journey has been good. I look forward to hear the stories. Um, I just, I just, I just, I know, I know, I can promise you this. If you create space, if you create space for a Shabbat in your life, God will fill that space. I don't know how he'll fill it. I don't know what your experience will be, but I promise you, if you create space in Sabbath, God will fill that space in your life. And I, I would look forward to hearing those stories. So have a great time. Shabbat Shalom. All right. I really like those videos. I have watched them many, many, many times now, um, mainly because I edited them, but uh, also just because they're really, really good, and I keep getting things out of them. <clears throat> I really appreciate being able to get... Lori, I'm dropping your Altoids all over the place here. Uh, I really appreciate being able to get a, the different perspectives that we've worked into Sabbath and what it means to observe Sabbath, what it means to wrestle through what we do with that, right? Um, Marty did a great job of recapping and talking about that. And I really, really like his description of stepping back and leaning in, that when we stop, we step back. When we rest, we lean into that space. When we delight, we step back again. And then when we contemplate, we lean into that space, and we engage. We engage the gift. When he said that, that really, that pinged in my mind. I really, really like that. We engage the gift when we contemplate. <clears throat> what does it mean to contemplate, right? This is kind of a, a mat, I, I'm, quick poll. The minute you hear the word contemplate, how many of you immediately went to some guru sitting on a hill, like, hmm, Right? Uh, that, that's where my mind went. Uh, that's, or some monk in a monastery taking a vow of silence, right? This is, this is what we imagine when we hear the word contemplate. The definition of contemplate uh, means to look thoughtfully for a long time at, or to think about, or to think profoundly and at length, or meditate on. I really like that last one. To contemplate is to think profoundly and at length about something, to meditate on it. <clears throat> there's probably an immediate, well, why would we contemplate as part of Sabbath? And there's probably an immediate answer of, oh, well, that makes sense. Well, Sabbath would be resting and, and the meditation and the guy sitting on top of a hill, you know, that, that would make sense. That probably lines up with some of our thoughts on Sabbath, some of our ideas of what that might look like. When I contemplate something, though, it's because I want to understand it. It's because I want to know it. I want to understand it in such a way that I have complete understanding. Um, imagine contemplation within a relationship, maybe, would be, I want to understand that other person to a degree that I might know them better than they, they know themselves. Imagine, imagine the relationship that you have with your spouse or your best friend or your parents, maybe. 
or your dog or your betta fish. <sighs> that got too real. Um, anyway, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm smiling under here. Where, Rob, where are your signs? Um, anyway, so, but imagine your relationship with that person. I know for me, my deepest friendships are the ones where that person probably knows me to a degree that's a little bit scary. Uh, they, they, can, they know me so well that sometimes I don't even know what I'm going to do, and they've got it figured out already. They have contemplated our relationship. They've thought about who I am. They've thought about what I do and how I behave, and they understand that. Is that what our relationship with God looks like? Is that what your relationship with God is characterized by? This is why we contemplate as part of Sabbath. We talked about holiness in the first week. Rob spent a lot of time talking and laying this groundwork of why we stop. Is part, of, part of that is we create this holy space. We create this space that can be holy. The implication that week was God invites us to enter into his holiness through a time of Sabbath. But we can only join if we're willing to stop what we're doing. God invites us to enter into his holiness. So when we create that space, God fills it. That sounds familiar. And then he invites us to enter into that. Stopping and contemplating intrinsically related. Marty's family, as part of their Sabbath ritual, they go buy these flowers, right? And that's, that's a simple example, and I love it because it's so simple like they're just walking down to the store to buy some flowers. They're going to go pick out a pretty bouquet to put on their table. That's not, that's not crazy. That's not a huge step. But it creates this space for him that he can focus on God, that he can focus on his creator, that he can better understand through that, that he can get to know and connect with God. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 says this. It said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Blessed is the man who delights in the law. Blessed is the man who meditates on the law day and night and night, who contemplates the law day and night, who understands and digs in and gets to know the law and connects with God through his knowledge of the law. God blesses the man through that. This takes us into the first of our, what I'm going to call our familiar ways to contemplate. Uh, I was brainstorming with Jen on Tuesday. We were coming up with this and having maybe too much fun um, because Rob wasn't here. So, you know, when the cat's away, the mice will play. Is that how the phrase goes? Did I get that right? Whew, nailed it. Uh, anyway, so uh, we were brainstorming this, and we came up with some familiar ways, maybe, to many of us, what contemplating might look like. The first one would be digging into the Scripture, talking about the Bible, reading your Bible, studying your Bible, digging in and getting to know God's Word, because the Bible is God's message to you. 
Like, I can't think of a better way to physically connect with God than to have the Bible on your phone in your hand, physically. (laughs) Or maybe physically have an actual Bible. That would have been a good example. Good job, Logan. Um, 21st century, though. We got it on our phone. Like, you, you can carry it with you all day long. I can't, I can't imagine a better way to connect with God, to develop an understanding of him, to contemplate. Worship. Worship is another great way to contemplate, to connect with. Singing songs about God and who he is, and who he says we are, and what he's done for us, and praising through that, and connecting with God through that. That is spending quality time with our creator. I might be a little biased. I really like that one. (laughs) Meditative prayer. Now, I I put the word meditative here because it's not just, you know, it's, let's be honest, I, I, I do it too. We come to God with the laundry list or the grocery list or the dear Santa, I really want these. You know, it's the God, please let me pass this test. Can I get an amen from the college students, right? God's like, yes. No, he, never mind. Uh, I won't embarrass you. Um, <laughs> this, is not, this is not the, you know, laundry list prayers. This is, this is sitting down and having a real conversation with God. This is setting aside some time to sit and pray and say, God, these are the things that are going on in my life and I'm looking for where you're working in them. And maybe I don't understand what you want me doing here and I need your guidance. Or here's the things that I desire because desires are okay. It's not wrong to have a, a laundry list, grocery list for God, but to say like, God, here's the things that I want. Help me submit them to your will. And to create space to listen for God's response. How often do you do that in your prayer time? That might be a really good, really good way to communicate, to contemplate your relationship with God. Tithing and generosity. I mean, who doesn't love giving and receiving gifts? That, well, some people don't. But some of us really enjoy that, right? That might be great. That might be a good way to connect with your God, who is the giver of good gifts. Last but not least, definitely not least, is loving your neighbor. When you love God's children, certainly loving him. For those of you that have kids, I would imagine that when people are nice to your kids and show love to your kids, that probably warms your heart. that might be a good way to show some love to God is to love your neighbor. Might be a good way to contemplate, to develop an understanding, to see who he is through that. Now, some of you might have caught on. These sound eerily similar to the five love languages. Ha, right? We'll talk about that in footnotes. Me and Jen had way too much fun with this. Um, It'll be, I'm sure it'll be an entertaining conversation. I'm sorry, Rob. I apologize in advance. We're going to have too much fun with that. Um, so tune in for that. But it makes sense, though, if we're the bride of Christ, that there's going to be some sort of marriage analogy. There might be some sort of cheesy analogy for how we could connect with God as the bride of Christ. 
you know, he uses this marriage imagery all throughout the Bible with his people. I mean, Song of Solomon much? Hello. The thing is, contemplation is more than just pretending that you're in a monastery for a day, right? Which most of those, most of those examples might kind of line up, at least in my mind, that, that would be, oh yeah, those would be super spiritual, dude, right? Totes. But contemplation can be more than that. Uh, through experiencing God's creation, we've used this, this background, this imagery of up there on Blue Mountain, which is one of my favorite places to go hike. It's just nice, easy, accessible hiking, and it's gorgeous, and it's like five minutes outside of town. Like, we live in the best place. It's so good. Um, but looking at this, looking at this, there's like, you get an image of the creator through this. You get a glimpse of the guy who made it. In the same way that looking at a painting tells you something about the painter, right? Um, I think we got, I got a couple examples of some paintings here. <clears throat> this is one of my favorites. Uh, my granddad painted a copy of this on his bathroom wall. That's a fun story. Ask me about it sometime. But uh, this, is a, this is a Monet. And we look at this, and I, I did a little research because I am not an art critic or an expert on art. Um, so I did a little homework, uh, and we can know from this, well, what you might not know from this is that Monet created this water lily garden for his own enjoyment, reflection, um, just to be kind of his muse and also just to, to chill and relax in. Monet is what they call an impressionist. And we might get that from this painting. There's not a lot of details. Like, even if we zoomed in on this, it's, it's big, messy strokes of paint. And it, it gives the idea, and you know what it is. But if you got real close and you look, well, that flower, right? Like, it's not a very good flower. It's a blotch of paint. It's a talented blotch of paint. Don't get me wrong. The guy was a master. It's a blotch of paint. Now, speaking of blotches of paint, this next one is by a guy named Jackson Pollock. Um, this is not, he's the guy that likes to just throw paint like a kindergartner, and they called it really fine art. I haven't wrapped my mind around that one yet. Although, after trying to find the perfect example and staring at a lot of Jackson Pollocks and going a little cross-eyed, there is a strange beauty to them. This is one where he got a little bit more specific. Uh, it's called Man with Knife. Um, I was like, well, that's just too cool. I can't pass that one up. Uh, and there's a lot of commentary on, on what he, this is like a Cain and Abel sort of thing. Apparently there's three guys in there. I don't know where they're getting that, but there, there's three guys in there apparently. Um, the thing about Jackson Pollock is that he was a pretty tormented guy. He had a lot of inner demons. Might you guess that? from this painting. Absolutely. Let's go to this next one. I, this is probably my favorite. This is a painting. First off, like this is a painting. This looks like a photo, but it is a painting by a guy named Campos, a more modern painter. It's part of this movement called hyperrealism. What we might learn from this painter is that he really, really doesn't like roughly right. I feel him deep in my soul. 
I really appreciate this guy. His attention to detail, he might be a little bit perfectionistic. We can see that from the painting. And last but not least, because, you know, talking about art, it would not be a complete conversation without my favorite. We all know this guy. Paint a little happy tree action. Just dance in a little okra in the sky. Oh, man, Bob Ross. Oh, so good. And from this, we'd be like, this guy is the most peaceful, chill, relaxed dude on the planet. He obviously has squirrels for pets. And his hair is impeccable. What a guy. What a guy. We, you know, okay, I might be a little biased. Nonetheless, if, this, like, if we can glimpse this, if we could maybe catch a glimpse of the artist through their creation... And this, this applies in music, this applies in writing, this applies in animation. Anytime that you're creating something, there, it's really pretty difficult, if not impossible, not to leave a little bit of yourself on it. Why would we expect that to be any less true of God? Psalm 19 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. The heavens declare the glory of God. Sky proclaims his handiwork. I know being in Montana, most of us enjoy getting outside. For many of us, when we talked about delight last week, for many of us, it might include going out and doing things in nature, whether that be fishing or shooting or hunting or hiking or backpacking or camping or floating the river and trying to die. Like whatever, whatever the case may be, for many of us, it's getting out there in nature. Maybe it's enjoying some flowers. We had, Shana, we had Shandea holding the flowers and smelling the really, really fake flowers that I picked out for the photo delighting in God's creation. <clears throat> my boy, Pete Scazzaro. Oh my goodness, Scazzaro. <laughs> he wrote The Emotionally Healthy Leader that we've been talking about. He's been wrecking my life since mid-December. Says this about contemplation. He says, Sabbath is an invitation to see the invisible in the visible to recognize the hidden ways that God's goodness is at work in our lives. He goes on to say, On Sabbath, we intentionally look for his grandeur in everything from people, rude, food, <laughs> from people, food, and, the, and art, to babies, sports, hobbies, and music. In this sense, contemplation is an extension of delight. We are intentional about looking for the evidence of God's love in all of the things he has given us to enjoy. We are intentional about looking for the evidence of God's love in all the things he's given us to enjoy. Contemplation. Contemplation and delight. We've talked about this a little bit. I think I, I dropped the analogy last week of the Russian nesting dolls, right? Or we've said this at, at some point. You know, it's the Russian nesting Sabbath concepts. That doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Nonetheless, these, these ideas stack within each other. They build on each other. They're tied together. We stop, we lean in, we stop, we lean in. There's a rhythm to this. 
the implication this week? It's pretty simple, but it's also difficult. It's not one that you ever like get right. Kind of the same way that Marty drops his, you know, doing Sabbath right. Uh, fun fact, I've definitely been one of the college students that was like, hey, am I doing this right? At least four or five times. And every time I get the same answer, like if you're asking me, you're doing it wrong. You'd think I'd learn. But we want to do things right. The implication this week is to know your creator deeper. It's simple, but it's difficult. It's not something that we ever achieve necessarily. There's always more that we can go in that relationship. There's more that we can learn. There's, we can dig deeper into that because we have an infinite God so we can infinitely connect deeper and deeper to him. Contemplating or connecting with, knowing, understanding God and your relationship with him helps you to delight in him, and it also helps you to delight in yourself, and it helps you to delight in others. If I understand him, it's the same thing as back when we were talking relationships. If I understand him, if I've connected with him more, then I'm going to get more enjoyment out of that relationship with him, right? And the more that I enjoy that, the more it's going to draw me in to want to connect deeper. These things have a habit of growing. And I'm going to understand him more, and then it's going to make me delight in him more, and then I'm going to want to understand him more, and then I'm going to dig deeper, and then I'm going to delight more. Like It's just going to keep stacking. Sabbath draws you in. Contemplation draws you in. And it helps you delight in yourself because, like I said, God's going to leave a little stamp of his handiwork. Be like, that was mine. Sign that one at the bottom, right? In fact, so much so with ourselves, we carry the image of God, right? God created us in his image. So if we create something, this is just a little fun side tangent that my brain went on just now. If I create something and it's got a little bit of me there, then probably that's going to have a little bit of God in it too, which might mean that when Scazzaro is saying that we look for his grandeur in everything from people, food, and art, and babies, sports, hobbies, and music, I don't know. We can find a little bit of God in the things that man creates. Chew on that, if you will. But if I delight in him, if I contemplate him, if I get to know my creator deeper, then I'm going to have a better understanding of myself because I carry his image. And he's going to reveal things about myself. And I'm going to, I'm going to understand the truths. We wrestled with him in the first week of uh, where do you find your worth and how does that stop you from stopping or how does that inhibit you from stopping, Right? We wrestled with that in care group, and that was a, that's a tough question. Where do I find my value? Where do I find my worth? Do I find it in what God says about me? When we contemplate, that's where we make progress on that. 
That's where we gain understanding of that. We can learn to delight in who we are, who God made you to be. In the same way, it's going to rub off and affect how you view other people. Contemplating God is going to help you delight in those around you. If, if I'm understanding my creator and who he's made and, and those that he has designed, how can I help but see other people as he would? So there's our big implication concept. Know your creator deeper. This is what we want to drive at. How do we do that? What's like, what's the really tangible, the nitty gritty, if you will, to quote Nacho Libre? Well, your next steps. First one is this. Set aside a space within your Sabbath. That is a lot of S's. (laughs) Set aside a space within your Sabbath this week to contemplate God. So within that Sabbath, you say, I'm going to take, I'm going to set aside Friday. Or I'm going to say, maybe, maybe it's just Thursday afternoon, whatever you're starting with. I'm going to, within that space, I'm going to go buy a bouquet of flowers. Or I'm going to go take a walk. Or I'm going to light some candles. Or I'm going to cook a meal. I'm going to sit down and, and drink a cup of coffee on my porch on Saturday morning and say that this is just time with God. This is, this is my contemplation space, maybe. That I'm going to specifically work on this. I'm going to focus on contemplating for the next 30 minutes or so. Whatever that might look like for you. Set aside that space this week as part of your Sabbath. A little Sabbath-ception. It's a Sabbath in a Sabbath. I don't know. The next one is this. Deepen your connection to God this week through scripture, worship, prayer, generosity, or loving your neighbor. Marty said, you know, this is a, this is a continual process. I can, I can testify to that. As somebody who wants to just have it figured out and done and and I am going to do Sabbath. It doesn't work. Some of you are going to be like me and just, you know, I heard that many times and it didn't matter. I still, this is still my approach. It still doesn't work. Some of you will be able to learn from this. Others are bullheaded like me and we'll just charge through and, well, we meet on Tuesdays for <laughs> Perfectionist Anonymous. <sighs> Nonetheless, just choose one of these. Pick one. Just pick one this week. Don't try to bite. Don't swallow the whole elephant. You choke. One bite at a time. Just pick one this week. Maybe it's sitting down with your Bible. Maybe it's spending some time in worship. Maybe it's spending some time in prayer. Whatever, whatever it is for you. Choose one and start off beautifully incomplete, as Marty said. Oh, that does wonders for my soul. Beautifully incomplete. Start there. Because if you create that space, if you set aside that time, if you say, I'm going to create this space, I'm going to step back to delight, and then I'm going to lean into this space that I've created to contemplate. If you do that, God is going to fill that. 
that's pretty cool. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side. I forget which Sunday it is. So Sunday after next. Was that like the 12th? I think it's the 12th. My math is correct. We will be having 13th. My math is not correct. I majored in music. Um, anyway, uh, we will be doing a worship night, which I do know all about because I majored in music, not math. Um, there might be nine songs. There might be ten. We just don't know because I can't count. <laughs>